What's up, guys? Rick here with your betting and one and done preview for this week's U.S. Open. So like we do every single week, we'll start with some outright bets, both what the model is looking at and what my gut is looking at. Then we'll transition into some head-to-head matchups for this week, and then we'll finish up with the brand new Rick Run Good One and Done League. We have one week under our belt, so I'll give a standings update, and we'll look to who we could possibly use at this week's U.S. Open. Let's jump into it. See you on the other side. All right, let's jump over to the tournament predictor tool on rickrungood.com. And if you are new this week, welcome. What this tool is attempting to do is try to find out the likelihood that each golfer can actually get to the winning score or the potential winning score. And then we compare that to the Vegas odds for the week and we see if there's any value there. So I currently have 13 strokes gained plugged in as the target score that is historically kind of what you need to win a pga tour event um, and still get some good values here but if you go back and you look at the strokes game database the u.s open you've had to be a little bit better i mean you look at last year gary woodland gained 17 strokes on the field but he won by three shots over brooks kepka who was then three shots clear of ches Reeve. so yes it would have taken 18 strokes gained to to win this golf tournament take it away from gary woodland but it would have taken 12 to finish second so keep that in mind and then we go back to 2018 and uh brooks kepka wins at 16 and a half strokes gained and then the year prior he wins it at 20 again that's four shots clear so i think we need to ramp up the target score just a little bit. And obviously the further up I go, the less likely it is going to be that some of these golfers can get to that winning score just based on uh, what their floor and what their ceiling is. So I've ramped it up to 15 strokes gain to get you to be, uh, to use as the target score. And you can see a lot of guys just dropped out from that 13 to 15. And it makes sense, right? I mean, Gaining 13 strokes over the course of four rounds um, is not a tough task. So having even the upside to be able to do that, and then you ramp it up to 15, and it's kind of a a different story. So uh, what do I see here? Well, the model looks at this and says, okay, well, Dustin Johnson at his 8.5 to 1 number is almost fairly priced if you think that 15 strokes gained is going to win the U.S. Open. Because... The odds would indicate that he needs to win this golf tournament about 10.5% of the time. The model has him getting to the winning score about 10.75. So there is maybe a quarter of a percentage of expected value. Not necessarily enough to want to bet it. uh, But that to me says Dustin Johnson is fairly priced. The next guy that jumps off is Rory McIlroy. So uh, the, the implied odds of him winning this golf tournament created by uh, odds makers is about 5.6%. I have him getting to the winning score about 7% of the time. So there is a bit of value there. And we do see, you know, weeks like this, weeks where there are 30 guys, 40 guys who might be able to win this golf tournament, uh, you do find value in the outright markets. I've, I've bemoaned outright markets um a lot of weeks, especially when you when you don't get a very strong field, because you know the math just doesn't add up. Almost every single outright bet is is in theory a losing bet over infinity. So uh, this week we do get to see a bit of value. 
Notable value on Rory, as I mentioned. Uh, about 1% worth of value on Bryson, which, you know, you have the model and then you have the eye test and what he's been doing in the FedEx Cup playoffs and how, how poor he has been playing. And then Webb Simpson also with 1% of value. We're going to talk about Webb, uh, but before I do that, let's just sort by the expected value to see who has the biggest number. And again, you have to, there's, there's obviously long-term... Um, metrics built into this so when you see mark leishman as the best you know the highest expected value for the week um that that's certainly you know it, it lags a bit right you know the the stuff that he's done recently which has been absolutely terrible does not impact as much as his long-term career the win at tory pines all that good stuff so while mark leishman is the quote-unquote best value he's in no way going to be getting an investment from me. So where am I going personally? Um, you know, you, you've got to kind of digest what the model says, what the recent form says, what the tournament history says. And I'm looking uh, at Webb Simpson to start my betting card for this week. He is 25 to 1 via William Hill. And um, oh, by the way, I don't think I've ever mentioned this. If you sign up at William Hill and use the code RRG50, no, no, hold on. Now I got to make sure I get this code right. Let me stand by. It's actually, okay, it's actually Rick500 is the code. <laughs> I wasn't even close. Rick500 at William Hill, if you're in New Jersey, gets you a $500 free bet. So if you wanted to use it on one of these guys, you might want to use it on Webb Simpson. And here's the case for Weber at 25 to 1. You know, I think a lot of times he immediately gets written off at major championships because he does not hit it long enough. And if you've watched... Any of the content I've done for a long time, you've probably heard me say that Webb Simpson is the best golfer on tour when they walk off the tee box. So when everybody walks off the tee box, Webb Simpson's the best golfer on tour. I'm not exaggerating, okay? He gains, if you add up strokes gained approach around the green and putting, he gains 1.76 strokes per round. It is the best on tour. I'm not kidding when I say that. There are numbers to back that up. Um, the thing that he doesn't do is he doesn't hit it very far, but he hits it accurately. And when there is a an emphasis on finding fairways like there's going to be at winged foot and Webb can put it in the fairway and then he turns into the best player on tour, sign me up. It's just so hard to overlook. He already has one U.S. Open on the resume I'm kind of feeling like he's gonna he's gonna add another one. I think it's gonna be a good week for Webb. Obviously, everything has to go right. A lot of variables out there, especially at winged foot. But my God, Webb Simpson, um, twenty five to one just feels feels right. Colin Morikawa, I've wrestled with. I've seen him at sixteen. I've seen him at eighteen. William Hill has him at sixteen right now. I get the narrative, like, oh, no way, this kid's gonna win. You know, two majors back to back. Probably not. I mean, and, and you could pick 
one of these guys and say he's not going to win any one of them and probably be right. It's hard to win a golf tournament. It's hard to win a major championship. But he's already done the first leg of it, and he's answered every single question that we've ever asked of him. You know, can he win on tour? He goes out and he wins an alternate field event. Okay, can he win a regular tour event? He goes out and he does that. Um, You know, can he win a major? Yeah, goes out and does that. I I mean, he just answers every question and his game translates literally everywhere. Am I concerned about the putter? Yes, I am. You know, uh, Wingsfoot has some of the most complex, interesting, devilish greens that you are going to see. And the... I mean, the putting's been better for Morikawa, but, um, you know, we have a, a decent bit of history to show that, he, show that he's not a very good putter, and uh, that might come back to bite him a bit this week. So I'm, I'm, I'm really on the fence about that. I'd love to hear what you guys think about Morikawa. Leave something in the comments. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Um, not really sure what to do with him. And then I think you go further down the board here. I mean, I see um, I see Terrell Hatton at 45-1. to 1. Um Hatton's been great, right? I mean, he has been. Let's. I can pull up his uh, his strokes gain numbers here. But essentially, it's going to take a different type of animal to win this week at Winged Foot, right? You're going to have to be a grinder. You're going to have to be as mentally fit as you are um, physically fit. And while I know Hatton gives us the full emotion all the time, I mean, he's engaged. He's a grinder, and. I think that was evident with his win at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I mean, Bay Hill, that was the most difficult golf course on the PGA Tour last year. That's it. That No other comments. It was the hardest course on tour last year. Terrell Hatton wins it. Uh, playing well. Three straight top 25s. He finished seventh at the Tour Championship. I think he actually finished better than that if you remove the raw scoring. What I'm showing you right now on the screen actually includes the starting stroke. So I think Hatton was even better than that. 16th at Olympia Fields, which was a, a, an unbelievably difficult course. It, it, this just feels like... The ball striking numbers are in the right spot. The the you know mental fitness, the grind ability is in the right spot. Forty five to one, especially in you know I, I've kind of heard there, there's kind of two theories here, and I don't know which one is is necessarily right. I'd like to do a little bit more research on this, but you have the people that say, okay, winged foot is going to be incredibly difficult. The winning score might be over par. The cream is going to rise to the top. I I, I somewhat agree with that, uh, but also. I think it opens up a lot more volatility, a lot more randomness. I mean, there's going to be a lot of situations where we're just wondering, did you catch a, a a bad lie in the in the rough or did you catch a terrible lie? And there's a big difference between those two things. So I think there's a lot of luck. I think there's a bit of, of, of randomness and volatility involved, which opens up some of these 45, 50 to 1, 55 to 1. You know, I did the sleepers video uh, earlier in the week. And Matthew Fitzpatrick made that video. He's 55 to 1. Do I think he can win? I think that would be tough. I'm probably more interested in Matthew Fitzpatrick's top 10 number. I think that is well within his range of outcomes. And he's currently, let's see, 5 to 1 to finish in the top 10. I think that's pretty good. That's probably going to get an investment from me. Even a guy like Brendan Todd, 6 to 1 to finish in the top 10. Brendan Todd is a weaker version of Webb Simpson. Not going to hit it far, but he's going to hit every single fairway. And then he's going to try to beat the rest of the field with his long irons and his putter and his short game. And, uh, you know, the short game comes in handy at week's like the U.S. Open because you're going to run into a lot of situations where getting up and down for par is a great score. Like 
every situation, right? You make you make 72 pars this week, you might be the winner come Sunday evening. So keep that in mind. It's we're we're almost to a point where uh, this venue is so extreme that some of the guys that are usually at a disadvantage on the PGA Tour are nat- natu- actually, wow, that was hard to say, at an advantage this week because of their unique skill set that they possess, which is hitting fairways, putting well, and ma- being able to um, you know, grind and manage your way around the golf course. So that's kind of where I'm living. Um, you know, Webb might headline the card. Um, or followed by a couple of, of bullets, maybe a little bit further, Terrell Hatton, uh, and then getting guys like Fitz and, and Todd and like top 10 situations and maybe in some matchups, which we can go over to matchups right now. And we can look at the betting matchups tool here on rickrungood.com where you can pit any two golfers against one another. And the one I've been dying to get in here, um, and I actually want to change the date range first. I want to change it to... Uh, since the start of 2020 that to me gives us enough data to be interesting but still have it be relatively recent especially with the three months that we missed in the middle and the one i've been dying to get to um it's rom and dustin johnson so let's just plug that one right in right now and see what happens because uh believe it or not and i think this is fascinating here and i'm going to talk through this not aaron Battley. that would not be him all right rom versus dj I have John Rahm, and the model has John Rahm winning this matchup 58.5% of the time, making his uh, you know projected money line minus 140. What I find very intriguing is that he is listed at minus 115 to Dustin Johnson's minus 108, meaning John Rahm, according to odds makers, is l- more likely to win a four-round uh, matchup with Dustin Johnson but he is less likely to win the golf tournament than Dustin Johnson, right? Because if you look at the lines, DJ is eight and a half to one to win the U.S. Open. Now, John Rahm has been catching a ton of steam. And like DJ earlier in the week was six and a half to one. He's now down to eight and a half to one. John Rahm's gone from 11 to nine. So, so John Rahm absolutely catching steam right now, but he's still longer in the outright market and shorter and the favorite as a matchup against Dustin Johnson, which I find incredible. I think that it is, um, if you were trying to to break a tie like in a fantasy lineup, hey, which guy am I going to go with, Rom or DJ? Odds bakers think Rom is going to finish better, but they're accounting for the upside of Dustin Johnson. So here's the way that I in, that that I think this is happening. Um, Dustin Johnson very clearly has the highest ceiling on the PGA Tour at the moment. That is with the you know multiple wins in the restart. It is with the 11-shot victory at the Northern Trust. That's the ceiling. The ceiling's higher than anybody's right now. The floor, though, is uh, essentially lower than anybody's right now. Not anybody's, but of the big-name players, right? I mean, we know the rounds of 80, 80, 78. Those are lurking. Uh, that can happen to DJ. So in the outright market where there is there is value in having a very high ceiling and having the ability to win a golf tournament, Dustin Johnson gets the nod there. But in the matchup market where Rom is probably much safer, just as good, maybe a little worse of a bet than Dustin Johnson is, Rom actually gets the nod because in matchups, that's kind of what you want. So this is 
in my opinion, a really good job by odds makers to delineate between these two different types of bets. I, I You don't see this all the time. I think this is really, uh, honestly, I think it's right and I think it's well done. Um, who else do we have here? Uh, let's get some guys that are interesting. Finau versus Fowler? I don't know if that's all that interesting. How about Reed versus Cantlay? I mean, do we want to do that one? Let's try Reed versus Cantlay. Wow, I have it like dead even. I've Reed winning it 50.3% of the time. So this would be a no bet for me. Reed is the favorite, minus 118 versus Patrick Cantlay, minus 106. So I would not touch that. And then let's find one more good one here, maybe further down the board. Damon and Streelman. Streelman's minus 125. Damon was a little bit disappointing last week. Streelman played better. I have Streelman winning this 54% of the time, which puts his yeah puts his money line about minus 118. I see him at minus 125, so this is probably too close for me to bet, but if I was going to bet it, um, I guess it would be the Damon side, right? Because he's plus 118. Oh, no, sorry. It would be the Streelman side. My brain hasn't – coffee hasn't kicked in this morning. It would be the Streelman side. Um Actually, no, I hate both. The both neither of these sides work. What am, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Neither of these sides would work. This would be a no bet as well. Coffee's got to kick in. Uh, all right, let's talk one and done. So we have to talk two versions of the one and done. First of all, the Rick Rungood one and done is up and running. Uh, we are one week in. The standings are available on rickrungood.com slash OAD. Uh, I will continue to build out these dashboards as we get more data. Only one week's worth of data, so I just really threw up a table that says what the standings are. As we get more weeks, you'll be able to visualize your own performance week in and week out if you are playing this. So uh, keep that in mind. But for right now, uh, Drolla. Dr. Ola, D. Rola, I don't know what it is. Drolla is in the lead. He was the only guy to have Harry Higgs, and no one had Stuart Sink, who ended up winning last week at the Safeway Open. So Harry Higgs earns Drolla $719,000. Then there were a bunch of guys that earned $322,000, thanks to Doc Redman, thanks to Ches Reavy, thanks to Kevin Streelman. Basically, if you selected any one of those guys, it got you $322,000. A lot of you had them. Then there was a, a Sam Burns. There was a Christopher Ventura. That's... You know, basically as far down as I'll go here. So, uh, no winners yet. We didn't catch a winner in week one with Stuart Sink and outside the box Victor. Um, so, congratulations to Drolla. You have the lead for now. And it's kind of weird that we are already in major week, right? So, the second week of the season, we have to make a difficult decision about who to play. I think, you know, it's very clear thus far um who i like this week you know the dustin johnsons of the world's uh the john roms of the world they're going to be incredibly popular and if we look at i mean i've got dj up here in front of me let's look at um some of his history here at the u.s open i mean the guy's played here 12 times he's averaging 412 i'm sorry 421 thousand dollars 
it per start at the U.S. Open. It's it's scary stuff. I mean, it's one of his better tournaments of the year uh, that he's played as much as he has. I mean, some of the WGC events, uh, he's been better, but like there, there's obviously going to be no harm in rattling off and rostering DJ in your one and done John Rom. You know, it's it's hard for me to kind of narrow this down because there are. Literally every golfer is available to you, right? I mean, literally every golfer, but who you picked last week is available to you. I think if you wanted to be a little bit different, I, I, like I might consider going with Webb Simpson this week. Um, I don't know if that's outthinking myself because Webb has such natural fits five times a year. You know, Webb at Wyndham, you could get Webb at Waste Management, you could get Webb a lot of different places, RBC Heritage, and feel very comfortable with him. So as much as I love Webb, I'm not sure he's a great one-and-done pick for this week. Um, You know, I think a sneakier option would be someone like a Justin Thomas. So what what I think is going to happen, or what I think could happen, is you're going to get a lot of... Dustin Johnson owners, you're going to get a lot of John Rahm owners. For for the the guys that decide, I'm not going that route. I want to be a little bit different. I think you could see a lot of Xander Shoffley, right? I mean, he's 16 to one. He's the fourth shortest. He has the fourth shortest odds on the board. He's been playing excellent. He's got great U.S. Open history. I think it's natural for Xander to be the first pivot. Uh, I think that Justin Thomas would kind of be like your second pivot off of that if you wanted to if you wanted to go that route because he's you know just as likely to win the golf tournament as a lot of these guys fourteen to one to win the golf tournament we know the upside is winning a lot on the PGA Tour and he has the acumen to win uh, big time events which we've seen him do in his career now the only knock against him is sometimes that driver can get a little erratic. It can get a little bit missy to the right, and um, that doesn't usually play at a major championship, especially like we're expecting to see here at Wingsfoot. And he doesn't have all that great history at U.S. Opens. So um, let me see if I click this. Does it come up? Yeah, here we go. Um, you know, he has one top ten finish in five years at the U.S. Open. It's a, it's a, it was at Aaron Hills. It was at, it was in 2017. You know, he missed the cut at Pebble. That's an okay fit for him, I guess. Uh, Shinnecock was a top 25, but the history's not all that great for Justin Thomas at U.S. Opens. Uh, so I think he would be a really sneaky option, but I also feel like U.S. Opens allow you, like, I, I think there are going to be Daniel Berger options. I think, um, I mean, like, I bet you Ty Hatton gets some play, uh, just because, the the weird part of this this new season is the U.S. Open being the second week of the year. I think just naturally a lot of owners say, I want to save guys. I want to hoard guys. I don't want to use them in the second week. And even if it is a big time event, I think there is a natural desire to not want to use a stud right now. I don't think that's correct. I think it's I think it's wrong, but I do think there is a natural desire to do that. So I think you're going to see Paul Casey's and Matthew Fitzpatrick's and and Tommy Fleetwood's. Like I how did I forget about Tommy Fleetwood? Tommy Fleetwood, especially with what he did on the European Tour last week at the Portugal Masters, I bet you he catches steam in your one and done pools just because um you know, Tommy doesn't have a great natural fit. He has good um, U.S. Open success in the past. Let me pull up Tommy real quick, and then I'll get you guys out of here. Uh, but Tommy Fleetwood, you know, you look at his U.S. Open um, 
second at Shinnecock, fourth at Aaron Hills. He's made the cut in each of his four trips. He essentially has three top 25s and two top five finishes out of that stretch. I think he's someone that is a natural fit for a U.S. Open, and you're not dying to play him anywhere else. So I do think Tommy catches some steam. But I'm dying to see how it shakes out because I think that um, it's really weird to have a major championship as the second week of the year. But uh, I I think it's going to kind of be all over the place. I'm interested to see what you guys do. Let me know what you think. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. You can leave a comment below. It's the U.S. Open. There is going to be carnage. Best of luck this week. And I'll talk to you guys soon.